0: Hi, Bother Brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. So we talked about the terrible dystopia that's happening for teens, trans teens in Texas yesterday. Now I guess it's time to talk about what people are calling World War Three starting in Ukraine. So again, disclaimer, I am by no means a foreign policy expert on Russia and Ukraine. However, it seems I know and I'm aware of a lot more than most other people who are having the audacity to speak right now, so why not throw my hat into the ring, I figure. So, first off, again, that disclaimer is important, but we're now going to go into something I didn't go into in my previous video on Ukraine, which I'll see if I can find and link down below, but that one was really just trying to oversimplify like depending how you look at it anywhere from 60 to 100 to 300 years of history in like a 12 minute video or something like that and one thing i didn't talk about is hey if it does come to some kind of war which i didn't say one way or another if i thought there would be one what would it look like and so that's what we're kind of gonna do here today so what does an actual war in the ukraine look like for russia Russia right now wants to fight nice, quick, easy wars. It's why they did what they did in Georgia. It's why they did what they did in Ukraine the first time around, right? That's something that people seem to have somehow magically forgotten about with all the news recently. Russia just straight up yoinked Crimea away from Ukraine. And then they also, again, supported the like insurrections in the Donbass. So that was the stalemate for the longest time. So why did this change? What possible reason does Putin have to want to escalate the war and the conflict? What could possibly? Oh, right. No, right. What am I thinking? It it has to do with oil and money. So again, in my previous video, I talked about the importance of Sevastopol base, which is why Crimea was so crucial for Russia to take, and how, again, like what Russia did with Georgia, just causing some destabilizing and recognizing some breakaway regions to basically ensure that that nation never again tries to mess with it. At the same time, however, I don't think Russia is going to try and take over all of Ukraine because what would then result in a massive insurgency would be something that puts the whole Chechnya thing to goddamn shame. And already Russia doesn't want, like, another headache on its fringe borders. That's basically why the Russians have allowed the Chechens to do kind of whatever they want to do for the longest time. What's what's the name of that asshole in charge over there? Like, like Ramzan Kadyrov or something like that? Uh, he basically has Chechnya as his personal little plaything slash imamat and uh yeah russia's fine with that so long as he is not rallying chechens to cause another fight and like ethnic problem on russia's border so russia doesn't want the same with ukraine which is why they're probably not going to take over all of ukraine and this i guess brings us to the next part of well then what do they want in ukraine in that previous video i mentioned how russia always wants to get to like key anchor points so that it can concentrate troops and secure its borders that way that's why the csto was so important and why getting certain key like eastern fringe uh, nations of central asia to sign on because they have the mountains which helps secure that like soft underbelly of russia basically so what is there in ukraine that they could you know take over probably like in an ideal scenario the russian military wants to take all of eastern and southern ukraine completely locking it off from the access to the black sea and turning it into like a landlocked state basically that would be ideal for russia how feasible is that well only time's going to tell but that's probably what they would ideally like if not And that's not possible for them. What they're going to at least try and do is secure, like, more of a buffer zone, if you will, between Crimea and the, like, separatist republics in the Far East. And again, with that, like, in terms of keeping in mind Russia's whole, we want to uh, get really, like, secure, easily defensible borders. Rivers tend to be pretty defensible. So Russia may look to end with some kind of border along the dnieper river and some other river that flows into it from northeastern ukraine that would give them a lovely little water-based moat that would then make them feel a lot more comfortable about their vulnerability on the like whatever they call it the european or the eurasian plain that's going to be their main goal if you want to call it that uh there are some other people who have done really good analysis on this and like some youtube videos on this and i encourage people to just kind of go and look at what you can find and see if maybe okay what are the common threads here but uh next i want to talk about something that is being talked about but not correctly and that's the threat that putin made and so people are thinking oh god does this mean world war three like nukes are gonna fly no Putin is a veteran of the Cold War. He was in the KGB in East Berlin, I think, or at the very least East Germany. So, dude is smart, and he still wants to have an empire to play around with. If he, you know, destroys the world, he doesn't get that, so he's not going to do that. So, that's a notion that should die right now, is that unless somehow several people fuck up to, like, the worst possible level of fucked upness... Nukes aren't going to fly. So then, what does Putin mean when he says consequences like you've never seen? Well, again, this brings us back to what this is all about. It's about oil and money. So it came out a while ago that the Nord Stream 2, which was like a like a sub-ocean oil pipeline that would have gone from uh I think St. Petersburg in Russia, possibly Kaliningrad, not sure. Don't really care, but basically it would go under like the baltic sea and go and connect to germany because as i pointed out before russia controls a lot of the energy supply to europe and so what he probably means by consequences the likes that people have never seen before he's going to turn off the taps he's done this before in terms of like just restricting the supply so like still allowing stuff to get in there but that was clearly a power play move from him back in the day So if he feels like he's being way too threatened on Ukraine and if he and the Russian military are not achieving like their goals of border security, then that's going to be his kind of ace up his sleeve where he gets to pull that out and say, lift the sanctions or I literally turn off the gas taps while it's still really cold outside. And, you know, yeah, you can't heat your places for the rest of winter and, you know, springtime, all wet and cold and rainy there in northern Europe. That's probably going to be his play and it's not something I see a lot of people talking about because the idea of being a few more minutes closer to midnight on the nuclear doomsday clock is way more appealing and sells a shit ton more advertising, more advertisements. So, um, yeah, that's why like, no, it's probably not going to come to nukes. If anything, he's going to turn off the gas and cause like Germans, I don't know, like Swedes, Finns, Poles, uh possibly french people like basically wherever the pipelines go he's going to shut them off so that the prices skyrocket and people can't help but ration or freeze or have to go somewhere else and that makes people very upset and it's like okay fine let putin have the ukraine why do we really care about ukraine it's not part of the eu and nato and blah 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 blah. right like that's going to be a huge call from a lot of people who just want more of their continued lifestyle right But to further expand on the whole oil and money thing, so the Nord Stream 2 was canceled and America was pushing for a long time to have it canceled. And so if you're wondering why things suddenly took off in the Ukraine again, it's because of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So again, this brings us back to the previous video I had done on the subject, which talks about how Russia on some level does recognize the writing on the wall in terms of Europe turning towards renewables so that they aren't so dependent on, you know, Russian oil, which is why, again, Russia kind of needed to make a play sooner rather than later, regardless of what the state of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline would have been. And so now we are in the unfortunate situation where seemingly you know we're still in the early phases of it so you can't speak with certainty on anything but seemingly we're in the early stages of a broader conflict with ukraine and russia so does this mean a full takeover of ukraine not very likely does this mean nukes not very likely russia's goal is to secure its own borders for its own geopolitical or geostrategic rather interests which is why Ukraine is so crucial, and why they've been destabilizing people on the fringes who have even, like, half-jokingly suggested joining NATO. That's what happened to Georgia, and that's what happened to uh, Ukraine after the Euromaidan protests. So now Russia is basically doing the last grab it can probably realistically do. It's also why they're very supportive of Lukashenko when the protests were happening in Belarus. So you know. That's what Russia wants to be. It's kind of like a buffer zone and definitely its sphere of influence, right? And so unfortunately, this means the poor people of Ukraine are caught in the crossfire. and what happens next in terms of concessions? Someone, I'm pretty sure, I think in like the State department, I'll see if I can find the link and put it down below. But someone on the u s side said that um Russia recognizing these breakaway republics and then sending troops into those limited areas would be like, okay, that would result in maybe some more sanctions, maybe not. But uh, just keep it to that and then we won't have an escalation. And so as we've seen, America slapped some more sanctions on the place. And uh, yeah, we still don't know what's going to happen next, unfortunately. But to really hammer home the point here, all of this is because of a fucking pipeline and Russian geostrategic interests. And unfortunately, that's really just it. And so all the talk of what? Why would Putin start this war? What's going on? Why would he do this? Oh, are nukes going to fly? What does he mean by consequences? Here's your little breakdown, because that's basically what's happening and what's going to happen. But who knows? Maybe Putin has decided, ah, you know what? I've had enough of the world. Time to just let it burn unconditionally. Like, we really don't know. And that's the problem here. Lots of people talking about ridiculous over the top stories and is Russia going to use nukes and take over Ukraine? It distracts from the very real situation. And that is unfortunately a situation which, as we're already seeing with people like packing up bags and getting to train stations and airports, it is affecting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of innocent Ukrainians who didn't want a war. Most of these people who just wanted an improvement in their material conditions back when, you know, the whole thing kicked off with the Euromaidan. All they wanted was to have democracy and to have a better life for themselves and their children and their grandchildren in the future. But because they are Ukraine... And because Russia felt entitled to them, it has resulted in this unfortunate mess. They are very real victims of what's going on here. And so doing all this over-the-top stuff helps no one. And the other part of this that is so infuriating is what I've brought up here is that most of this is not kind of some like big deep state conspiracy or 4D chess. It's about oil and money and geostrategic interests. Someone long ago talked about the banality of evil, and we are seeing it clearly today. But talking about, oh, will nukes fly and like just hyping up ridiculous stuff while, you know, ignoring the actual plight of millions of people caught in the fucking crossfire now. It is so shameful and disgusting. And that's why I wanted to make this to actually begin to sort of show people hey, here's the situation and where it may actually go. Well, again, you know, disclaimer at the beginning, we don't know that for certain. These are very uncertain times. And unfortunately, it is the Ukrainians who are going to face the goddamn brunt of this, all for having the audacity to ask better of their leaders and to hope for a better life. That is just so incredibly infuriating and so incredibly sad. And it's definitely what's bothering me today.